G'day and welcome back to another episode of Ideas Digest. My name is Conrad and you may already know the devastating news that my best friend and podcast co-host Cam Ferry died. Uh, so I, I want to thank everybody for their support. I still have a fair few episodes I recorded with Cam that I haven't released yet. I, I'm honored to be able to share with you more of the great conversations that Cam and I had. Enjoy these episodes in memory of my best mate, Cam. I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people, categorizing of humans and ideas, you have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being, to who they really are. And in the marketplace of ideas, these things are complicated, man. We all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. Just another heads up for this conversation. As much as uh, we jokingly talk about listen to the things that trigger you, in this episode, we do talk very clinically and clearly not from any real first-hand personal experience, which is probably why we can very clinically just talk about these things as if they're not personal. But we do talk about suicide and reference suicide of particular groups of people. And we definitely don't talk about it with the sensitivity that that is probably required for such difficult topics. And that might be difficult for some people to hear. Welcome back, everybody, to Ideas Digest, the podcast where we break down ideas, the ideas that divide us to find the humanity that unites us. Yes. What do you? How do you like that one? I do. I like. I it. thought that was a good one. It's very succinct. Though, it is. Yeah. I've finally got there. It's only <laughs> yeah. taken thirty episodes, but we're here. We're here. My name's Conrad. I'm Cam. And if you're here for uh, up-to-date factual information, yeah. uh, or a debate, yeah. or to hear what you think reflected back to you in a nice little echo chamber, and then yeah. um. May not happen here. <laughs> you, I think you've come to the wrong place. Yeah, yeah. But if you're here to grow your capacity to hear ideas that you don't agree with yeah. and to try and understand them. Or even dive deeper into the things that you do believe. Then I think you're in the right place. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, today's, today's guest is a man named Adam Tucker. Now, he works at Southern Evangelical Seminary. Yeah. So he has some level of expertise yeah. behind yeah. him i would say yeah. if you're working in an inst- more in than a- us anyway <laughs> <laughs> if you're at some level of institution then then sure yeah. um but I've, i just to before i uh, we throw to adam um we we have a thanks that we have to give to adam uh, a yeah. few weeks ago we released an episode with a, a gentleman from the band hawk nelson named yeah. john steingard yes. and it was called the contagious drift away from christianity now if you're wondering damn that that is a nice piece of clickbait yeah. well done conrad yeah I can't take credit. (laughs) I actually stole it from Adam's own article entitled The Same Thing. Uh, That's the only reason he said yes, so that he could come on the show (laughs) and get angry. Don't steal my work. Uh, So, Adam, in person, thanks so much for writing just a great piece of clickbait. (laughs) Yeah, do what I can. (laughs) So, we've, we, um, heard about John Steingard's Drift Away, you know, a prominent uh, Christian guy coming out saying, I'm not sure what I believe. And, and in my research of John Steingart, I stumbled across Adam's article. And I was reading through and I'm like, oh, this is very interesting. And I'd lined up to have John on the show. And I thought, great opportunity. Yeah. 
someone's written an article about it. I reached out and Adam pretty quickly got back to me and said, yep, love to chat. And yeah. that is what we absolutely yeah. love. love. love we it. love it when, you know, people are willing to talk about the ideas they put out there. You know, yeah. sometimes some people put out yeah. things and like, no, nah, yeah. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, like, yeah. All right, well, fine. Everything, it's like Bob Moller. It's like everything that you need to know is in the report. <laughs> Read the report. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks so much for taking the time to join us, Adam. Yeah. Where do you join us from? Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, I am in uh, Central North Carolina in the States. Central right. North Carolina. Great. Well, this is giving cool. us a, a good bit for our yeah, uh, yeah. first yeah. game that we're going to play. Yeah. Um, before we play our first game that we play with all our guests, um, I've entitled this episode, it's a modified version, it, but it is The Cure Yes. For the contagious drift away from Christianity. And yeah. uh, there's an article that, that Adam wrote that you can read in for, but we might touch on some of these I- those ideas in this episode today. Yeah, Adam, we're going to play a little bit of a, a game with you. Um, we know that you work at an evangelical seminary. Mm-hmm. We know that you're in North Carolina. Yep. We know that you wrote an article... Uh, talking about the contagious drift away from Christianity. So obviously like you're a Christian American guy. We have some basic information about you and we're going to play a a game where we just make fast assumptions about you. Yeah. And we have two boxes here. Yeah. It's a yes and a no. You have to fit in one of them. We have to fit you in one of (laughs) them. Okay. Um, So we've been gracious enough to let you choose yes or (laughs) no. You can choose the box. We won't box you, but you have to fit in one of them. (laughs) Because we play this game, because this is what everybody does. You're driving along, you hear something about someone and we make categorizations. So we're leaning into it. We're like, this is what we do. Let's start here and move from here. So are you ready, Adam? Sure. Let's go for it. now. But you're more than welcome to have nuance later on. Yeah, nuance <laughs> comes later. Okay, first one. It's an easy one. A yeah. slow ball. You're a conservative Christian. You would identify as that. Uh, yes. Okay, okay, good. Okay. I was, right. That was easy. Said- one, first off the mark. That's good. Right. <laughs> it's always good to get the first one off the mark. Yeah, the I'll mark. leave the hard one to camera. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> the, the second one, and this is, again, this is just, you know, we're not saying that you are, that we think you are. This well, we're just, verifying the claim. Yeah, that's right. So... People might say that you are, a, because you are a conservative Christian, that you are judgmental. Uh, yes, the, that claim gets thrown around a lot, yes. Yeah. Would you agree would with you that agree claim? With it? Um, it would depend on what somebody means by judgmental in, in that case. I need a little more specifics. Okay. Of That's yes. right, he's already yeah. withholding. Yeah, he's already, <laughs> well, what do you he's mean? already wading his, his little feet into the nuanced waters there. <laughs> Get out of the water. No swimming. Uh, okay, I'm hearing the accent. Yeah. I know the location. Yeah, North Carolina. Do you have a gun on your hip and yeah. are you pro-gun? Well, good day, mate. No, I do not have a gun on my hip. That's that's the best I got. I'm sorry. I sound a little more like it's a really bad, bad Steve Irwin, I think. Uh, <laughs> it's not bad uh, No, I do not All have right. a gun on my so, hip uh, But yes, I am pro-Second Amendment Yes, Pro-Second, okay, that's right. the one That's yes. the ticket If you yeah. says pro-gun, you're like Are oh, you, yeah, mate? You didn't drop the amendment yeah. <laughs> Okay Alright, so you're a, a whole life Christian Like you're anti-abortion And a, a whole life Christian uh, Yeah, sure okay. Like the category, the political category yeah, You're kind yeah. of talking about Yeah, yeah um, so does that mean there's a large contingent of this type of supporter in the in the United States evangelical? Are you pro Trump then? A lot of his voter base is uh, Southern evangelical. Do you fit that category? Are you pro Trump? Uh, again, not not a easy yes or no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I, yeah. I am pro Trump uh, uh, ideas and, and policies. Yes. He's a hesitant oh, yes. Okay. That's a very <laughs> hesitant, hesitant yes. yes. It might, that might need some further might unpacking some. later on. Okay. All right. You, uh, this is a, 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 something that's gaining more traction in the political sphere. Mm. Uh, you believe Christians at the moment are being persecuted as a Christian. That's how For you their see beliefs. It. Uh, in the States? Yeah, yeah, in the States. Yeah, good clarification um, yes. in the States, in the West. Yeah, uh, I would say no, uh, just in the context of oh. world of worldwide persecution. What, what we're facing right now, ah. it's, it's okay. annoying, but it is not persecution yet. I, it's not okay. All right. A bit of nuance in there, but I appreciate <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, some people, after hearing the hesitant yes to the uh, pro-Trump one... Oh, wait, this is your one. You oh, guys. yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, as Conrad was saying, a hesitant yes to pro-Trump a lot of people, particularly like Australians, looking at Americans that are pro-Trump would say, that means he, you're racist. Would you consider yourself a racist? Uh, no. Okay. No. All, All right. right. Firm no on that one. And yeah. last one, it goes kind of with the Christian stereotype territory. Patriarchal. Yeah. Like you're not a fan of women in leadership. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it depends on what leadership. So, uh, <laughs> okay. Again, there's tip, dipping toes in waters of nuance. Yes. There, so. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll See, allow I mean, it. You know, some of these are yes or no. Does your mother know you're stupid? Kind of thing. So you know you're you're <laughs> you're kind of screwed either way. Right. So you have to be a little careful. <laughs> yeah, we really, we really set yeah. you up for yeah. that one. So thanks for playing along. Game yeah. no, that's over. Awesome that you yeah. Now this is this is the this is the beginning. People might think that they might hear an accent, hear yeah. the location, hear the pro Trump. And they go we'll start boxing you. Now I've got my boxes. I don't yeah. need to continue the conversation. Yeah. Conversation over. Back already, to the echo chamber. What he thinks that's right. Yeah. Let's yeah. let's move on. But yeah. not here, yeah. Cam. Not here. This is the beginning of the conversation. Um, so we'll we'll actually. Hand it over to you now, Adam. We in in the context of the cure for the contagious drift away from Christianity. Mm. Um, John Steingard, if you didn't listen to our previous ep- episode, it came out a few weeks ago. He talks about his journey within Christianity, growing up a Christian, and then struggling with the idea whether God is real or not. Yeah. And uh, in your article that you write, Adam, you talk about this trend that you're noticing you you reference uh michael gunga prominent musicians moving away and you kind of talk about i think you use the quote the disease of bad ideas i'd like to hand it over to you where would you like to start with talking about the idea of this trend that is because we've actually followed this trend on our show a lot we've got a lot of episodes coming out right now of people you know our age just sort of millennials deconstructing from traditional notions of of a, of a god of christianity god, yeah. um and so we we would like to just hand it over to you like wherever you'd like to start yeah. um with as much nuance with as, as much want. nuance as you'd <laughs> like what are you noticing and uh as you as you make note of this trend that you're saying that the latest john steingard kind of exemplifies sure uh well first i think what you guys are doing is is really cool so uh, i appreciate you uh 
inviting conversation and, and, and really challenging this idea of, of putting people in boxes just without knowing anything. So that that's very, yeah. very cool and a very creative way to awesome. do that. So that, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so I do not know John personally. I've not spoken with him personally. Mm-hmm. I, I'm simply going off of uh, the story he wrote on Instagram. And so that's all the information yeah. I have other than, uh, you know, what he's done with you guys, what he's done uh, with Sean McDowell recently another another christian apologist here in here in america mm-hmm. um so again you know limited information of course on him personally uh yeah. so certainly not yeah. not anything meant to be an attack against against him or any any folks that we may mention today uh but it is yeah, yeah. really the ideas that uh that i'm sure. interested in that we want to that we want to talk about and and uh, you know, why those ideas are, are good or bad and, and lead to, to mm. truth or not. Um, right. and, and so obviously, you know, we're, we're seeing the same kind of trend and, and noticing the same kind of trend. Uh, one of our colleagues as a, actually a student of ours, uh, but does some ministry with us as well, um, who really focuses on this uh, rise of what she calls progressive Christianity. So a, a lot of uh conservative Christians, people who grew up in the church, deconstructing their faith, and maybe not like John, walking away completely, or at least on that verge, uh, but moving more towards a a liberal kind of of Christianity. So there's kind of this spectrum uh, that we're seeing uh, of people within the church growing up in in more conservative Christianity, and and the spectrum that they're landing in. Uh, upon that's right. It's right. not full on atheism right. and rejection yeah. of it entirely. It's, yeah. it's 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 much more of a nuance. Like, no, I like these ideas, but these ones don't sit with yeah. me. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And uh, I think the way you phrase that probably is, uh, at least from what I've seen personally, um, maybe you know I'm not not sure exactly how much this plays in in John's story specifically, uh, but the whole notion of I like these ideas better Mm -hmm. they sit with me better as opposed to these other ideas and that's a really bad way to make decisions and make judgments about reality is i like this better Mm -hmm. versus that whatever this and that so is maybe is that what you are identifying as maybe maybe there's more than one but the bad ideas that you're talking about i think you yeah i'm pretty sure you said the disease of bad ideas is that the central one that you're identifying, the fact that you're identifying this tendency that seems to be people using themselves as a barometer of what's yeah, true. And it's like, yeah. I like this, therefore I'll do it. Is that and therefore the, it must be right. Theref- yeah, yeah. Are you saying, is that maybe the central bad idea or are there other ones surrounding it? I think that is probably the idea that we see the most and, and maybe uh, the idea that's expressed the most. Uh, but it stems from more fundamental uh, ideas uh, from which that's just a a byproduct and and probably things that people are uh, absorbing that they never even realized, that they never thought deeply enough of of that they think this particular way or why they think this particular way is just absorbed through culture, essentially, because it's everywhere. And then that manifests itself as this whole notion of uh, I get to determine truth for myself, essentially. Um, So what what are some of those deeper ideas? Uh, Really, it goes to um, just how we think fundamentally about reality itself. 
uh, about our ability to know truths about reality. Uh, a, a lot of these notions, and even within the church, uh, a lot of these notions uh, in the culture of, you know, I determine truth for myself or whatever I happen to, to like or feel, uh, we see that in the church, uh, even in, in very conservative churches. And you'll go to a Bible study and, you know, the, the Bible study leader will say, you know, what does this verse mean to you? And, and that's that same mm-hmm. kind of notion working itself out uh, even in the church. It doesn't matter what it means to me. The question is, what does it mean? It may apply to me differently, but -hmm. we're trying to get to the meaning. And it doesn't matter what Mm -hmm. I think that is or not. We're we're trying to to discover what it actually is. And and so it really just has infected uh, really every uh, part of society, Uh, even to the level of the United States Supreme Court. Um, I'm blanking on which Supreme Court justice at the moment, but it was from the 90s. Uh, in, in a uh, pro-life, pro-abortion case. And uh, the majority opinion writer, again, I'm blanking on, on which uh, Supreme Court justice it was, essentially said the, the epitome of liberty and freedom is the ability to determine, I'm paraphrasing, but he's essentially saying it's yeah, the yeah. ability to determine truth and meaning for yourself. Right. That's really, really dangerous. And that's the Supreme Court Justice of the United States of America saying that. So this is not mm-hmm. just, right. you know, people off the street that just don't think well. This is this is to the very uh, upper echelons of society and, and leadership buying into these ideas. And again, it really so goes why back. Do you say, why do you say it's dangerous? You use that word like that's a very dangerous viewpoint. Why is it dangerous? And I suppose what is the alternative? Uh, well, you know, it's one of those things where you can just play play out a scenario uh, to to its ultimate logical conclusion. And, and if if we're a nation that values freedom, and freedom means I get to determine reality for myself, well, if my reality means I can go beat up anybody I don't like and take their stuff, who's to say that's wrong in, in, the, in that case? Well, society does because we've made laws against that. So who's to say I have to obey those laws? Then you get into this, you know, might makes right and whoever has the power gets their views of reality and their truths thrust upon everyone else. But nobody's ever talked about what is actually true or what is actually good. And really the whole notion is completely self-defeating because uh, in the Supreme Court justice case, uh, you know, he's essentially saying, it is true for everyone that everyone determines their own truth. Well, maybe that's just true for him. How does he know it's true for everyone? He's making this truth claim right. that he's applying to everyone, saying that truth claims don't right. apply to everyone. So it completely undermines itself and just can't possibly uh, be a way to, to structure our thoughts about reality. Hmm. So here's, here's probably a good point to define truth like sure. how what when how you say you truth it? like what is what is the yardstick what's the measure of truth that you're using there right uh so we would argue um at the seminary we take a very classical approach uh to philosophy uh to our apologetic methodology which influences our theology and all those things and, and really i mean it's a great question because this is where we start our apologetic method with what is truth right. and uh, so we would define truth 
uh, as the correspondence theory of truth, that truth is whatever corresponds to reality. Uh, so in, in layman's terms, wow. truth is telling it like it is, so to speak. So, uh, it, wow. you know, obviously I forget that it's winter down there. Uh, so, you know, if I say it's, it's a yeah. cold day in Australia on Sunday, uh, then that's true for everyone, even for me in 100 degree North Carolina today, uh, that it is mm-hmm. a cold wow. day in Australia. If in fact it is a cold day in Australia, if it's, uh, you know, yeah, if it's hot, yeah. then obviously that would be a false statement. Mm-hmm. So uh, truth wow. is just that which corresponds to reality. So there's lots of other uh, theories of truth. But at the end of the day, any of these theories, you can simply say, well, is that true? (laughs) Does that correspond to reality that that is the proper way to define truth? So all of those theories ultimately come back to this correspondence theory uh, that that for me anyway is is really the only way possible to define truth and and, uh, have it actually mean anything. Like correspondence to reality as in the collective reality we all kind of live in and is yeah. that what you would see the pursuit of science then is is to say how close can we get to this objective reality yeah. by measuring by doing experiments by peer reviewing studies would you can't it sounds as if it's similar to like a scientific materialistic objectivity of truth yeah is that roughly how you're using the word truth uh I would say that's a good example. Science certainly assumes that definition of truth. Um, now, science, yeah. uh, as far as just empirical science, the way we typically use the term every day, you know, that that's only examining yeah. a certain part of reality, the, the physical right. part. If there's more than physical, yeah. science can't answer that question, right? That's a philosophical question. Right. Uh, but yes, yeah, science would assume this correspondence theory to say, you know, the moon actually is X number of miles from the earth. And, uh, you know, the sun actually is however many degrees the sun is, you know, those kinds of, of things mm-hmm. without which mm-hmm. experimentation would be impossible. Uh, conversations like this across the world in the blink of an eye using yeah. technology would be impossible. All of those sorts of things yeah, uh, couldn't happen if we couldn't know truth mm-hmm. about reality. So then bring us to the truth that you're kind of talking about in that X, like what's, what's the word? The supernatural, I suppose, because science goes, well, if it's material, we can measure it. That's where we live. And then you're now talking about more things that sounding like morality. And that's, I guess, why you use the Supreme Court justice analogy, as he's saying, everyone needs to determine truth for themselves. themselves. You, that sounds like he's talking about a moral truth what is right and wrong for themselves mm-hmm. the individual yeah describe how you use truth beyond that scientific materialism in this more supernatural realm if we don't have the objective measurements of yeah. reality to help us you can't measure love you can't measure that's hate right. but they both exist that's sort right. of thing. so yeah. how do you determine truth yeah. in that realm yeah sure no that's a, a great question and, uh, you know, it's, it's something that our country actually was founded upon, this, this natural law kind of uh, morality, this natural law tradition. Uh, as, and it's a little nuanced version of natural law than what we would teach at the seminary, which is more of a uh, traditional classical or scholastic version of natural law from uh, thinkers like Thomas Aquinas and, and those guys. And we don't have to get into those distinctions, and I, I wouldn't be able to anyway if we, if we wanted to. Um, but, uh, but really when you're talking about morality, you're asking, uh, really essentially the question, what is good? 
What does it mean for something to be yeah. good? Because a moral human, we would say, is a good human, right? Uh, and, and so typically, classically speaking, uh, when we're talking about goodness, we're talking about uh, something that, that fulfills the, the end or purpose of something according to its nature, according to, to what it is. So the example I typically give, uh, just kind of as a silly example, is um, uh, an eye that doesn't hear well. Would th- would that be a, a good eye or a bad eye? Mm, that would be a terrible eye. <laughs> I mean, no, it'd <laughs> no, be a, it good, would be a eye. good eye. It's a great eye. You, you don't <laughs> know. You can still say. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you actually don't know because it doesn't tell you anything about the eye, other than it doesn't hear. Oh, yeah, that's right. right. It could be a that's blind true. eye and not hear. Yeah. But it could see yeah, 2020 yeah, yeah, and not yeah. hear because the eye is not the kind of thing yeah. that hears, right? It's the kind of thing that sees. And, and so an eye that mm-hmm. fulfills its purpose, we would just say is a good eye. Now, obviously, that's not moral goodness. Where moral goodness enter, enters the picture in the natural law tradition uh, is because we're able to know truths about reality. And this goes back to that, that fundamental level of philosophy that I was talking about, uh, where these uh, ideas, uh, uh, these bad ideas stem from when we abandon this kind of thinking that things have natures that we're able to know, that we share a common human nature that we're able to know. And, and we can we can discover uh, the ends or the purposes towards which we're directed as humans, given our various faculties. And, and so to fulfill those goods, to choose to fulfill those goods, is just what we mean by human morality. So because we know the ends towards which we're directed, we know the good, we also have a will that is capable of pursuing that good or not. And so to pursue that good just is what we mean by being moral. To not pursue that good is what we mean by being immoral or in the Christian tradition of, of sin, essentially. And so why then can't we know that good and find that good ourselves? Hmm. I, I think we can for, for a large part of that. Now, as a Christian, I would argue that our ultimate good is found in a restored relationship with God through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection as payment for our sins. Now, that I can't know apart from special revelation in, in the Bible. God has to tell me those things, and you know, we can get into why we trust the Bible and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. but, but that's special revelation, something we can't reason to. The natural law morality that we're talking about is something that we're all capable of knowing, all things being equal, assuming we're you know able to think rationally and all those sorts of things. We don't have some cognitive difficulty or something. Um, because we all share this human nature, and human nature entails that we have an intellect capable of discovering truth and a will directed towards pursuing what the intellect perceives as good, then as human beings, we are able to know these truths and these goods. And that's how we're able to make human laws based on this natural law. It's exactly the kind of thing that uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, was talking about. You guys know all the, the racial stuff we're dealing with right now in, in, in the mm-hmm. States. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is exactly what Martin Luther King Jr. referred to in his letter from Birmingham jail when he said, an unjust law is no law at all because mm-hmm. it violates the natural law and he references God and, and, and the eternal law, but he's, he's essentially mm-hmm. saying the uh, human law that violates the natural law is not a legitimate law because human law is just a more specific instance 
uh, of um, putting the natural law into practice, like a speed limit. You know, speed limits are rather arbitrary, but why do we have speed limits? Well, because we want to protect mm-hmm. people because everyone has a right to life and, and mm-hmm. the government has the responsibility to, to protect those, those rights, those natural rights within reason. So we don't want people driving like maniacs and, and killing other people. So we have speed limits in place. So when uh, the Supreme Court Justice says we all need to determine what is true for ourselves, and you've just said, like, we do have that innate human capacity because we are humans and can use reason to discover it, then what is the problem that you're pulling out of that statement? Uh, Because he's talking about not just discovering uh, natural law morality for ourselves, Right, that all of these things to say that we're capable of knowing these things. This is one of those nuances we need to make. Uh, to say we're capable mm-hmm. of knowing these things doesn't always mean that it's easy to know these things, or that everyone will take the time or have the expertise to know these things. So those who do take the time and have the expertise to know these things have the responsibility. You would think Supreme Court justices to help others know these things. But he's not saying that. Mm -hmm. He's saying Mm. there is no natural law out there. We determine law or good for ourselves. And that that just leads to chaos. That leads to to complete anarchy, which is essentially what we're seeing uh, in the U.S. right now. That actually trying to be lived out in practice. And it is not possible. It, it, it completely undermines society and everyone's trampling on everyone else and saying, well, you're wrong. Well, who's to say that? Well, because I have more power than you right now, mob rule or whatever, you know, and then it flip flops and then the mob loses power and these people gain power. It just, it never comes to truth. It's always opinion. So what I'm hearing then is, I guess the Christian perspective is, perspective is then it has that one level up from the non-christian so to speak yeah. so they so they would say we determine it as a society and all of these things and you would say by what authority are we measuring this by and the christian goes well if god gives this law then there's that appeal yeah. to authority but if yeah. we all kind of get together and collectively say this is the law then who gets to, is it right or wrong? There's, there's nothing above it. It's just like a... It's just made up. And yeah. then therefore, where is the inherent yeah. validity yes, yeah. of that law? Is that yeah. like some level of... Uh, not yet. There? Not yet. Okay. Uh, so th- there are Christians who do that. That's called divine command theory. Yeah. Uh, and and okay. if you've heard the moral argument for God's existence before, that's typically how it's framed. Uh, framed okay. that, that there is objective morality... Uh, there is an objective law. There can't be a, a law without a lawgiver. So, you know, God is that objective moral lawgiver. He's the standard that we're supposed to live up to and all this stuff. I think that completely misses the point. I think it skips over way too many steps trying to jump okay. from morality okay. uh, to God. Uh, and, and so yeah. I would argue, uh, what is that standard, that objective standard that that gives the law its impetus and, and uh gives us something to point to. It's human nature. It's not God. Uh, Because to say that that we're to live up to God, nobody's going to be God. God is God. He's completely other than us. So that wouldn't even make sense to say, you know, we're supposed to live up to this God standard. Only God can do that. 
but we are supposed to live up to a human standard. And that is what natural law morality points us to. It's what it means to be a good human, according to... And Christians know what a good human is and know what that standard is because of the Bible and God on a, uh, no, on a no, level no. So, that see, if you... That, I, that's what I think the beauty of natural law morality is. This is not Christian. Uh, uh-huh. it, it is uh, consistent, I think, with, with biblical revelation. Uh, I think uh, the Bible speaks of it in a few places, like Romans 2, for example, when uh, it refers to unbelievers who uh, know the law, even though they weren't given the law, because it's written on their hearts. Uh, in the Old Testament, we see God holding uh, heathens responsible for their immoral actions, even though he had never given them any divine revelation of a law. But he expected uh, them to know good from evil, just by virtue of the fact that they're human beings and they're able to know these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is not Christian. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what's so, uh, I think, uh, amazing about it is it gives us common ground as human beings to then have these discussions of objective morality and right and wrong. And so we can have the the abortion debate or the homosexuality debate or whatever these uh, moral debates may be without having to appeal to scripture. Uh, because if I have to appeal to scripture, right. then I have to expect you to take that scripture as authoritative. Then I have to make that case in which that means yes. I have to expect you to already be a theist and believe in God. If you're not, well, mm. then I have to make that case. Uh, but I can appeal yeah. to our common human nature and what it means for something mm. to be good according to human nature to make these kind of moral arguments. Now, from so, that... From the fact that humans exist with the nature they have, I do think that leads us to God. Why do we exist at all at this okay. moment with right. the human natures that we have? God would be the answer to that, obviously, with some argumentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that yeah. does require more argumentation. That's on down the line from the the uh, the moral question itself. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I just want to clarify a couple of things, like because it seems to me like this. The distinction you're creating was walking very close to one another. So, on one level, you're saying that humanity shouldn't have Mm. these things decided as a corporate thing, but at the same time, you're not saying that that these moralities are coming from anywhere else. It's like human nature knows that it's good, but like it just seems so close. The, the two things are it, so close. It does seem very close. If, it is a, if, it, if truth is inherent within human nature and we can use our reason to just follow our very nature, yeah. then, then the collective there's a, decision... There's a, there's a content context in which that Supreme Court Justice's statement yeah. is Actually true. supports what you're saying, sort of. So pass that out for us. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I think, uh, and correct me if I'm misunderstanding you, uh, but I think we may be talking past each other in this respect that I'm not saying uh-huh. these uh, the truths themselves are inherent in us. I'm saying the capability uh, right. of discovering that truth is inherent in us. Uh, the capability right. is there, okay. not the information itself. Uh, so, so we would teach okay. we, we don't have these a priori innate ideas. Uh, that would be one of these modern philosophical ideas that we would reject. Uh, rather we come to know truths from our experiences with external reality. And then from there, we reason right, okay. to, other, to other things. Yes. 
so, so then so how so the people that have like so we all have the ability to determine it mm-hmm. what is what's the point that steps you over being somebody who can identify those within humanity like what's what's the mechanism that allows humanity because it sounds to me and correct my trajectory as I as I put this together it sounds to me like you're saying everyone has this capacity to yeah. determine what is true yeah. given their human nature to discover yeah. to discover what is true to discover yeah um, but you're also saying for a Supreme Court justice to say everyone can determine it for themselves. It sounds like you're saying everyone theoretically can, but perhaps not everyone has either the opportunity or capacity to yeah. do it in isolation. Would yeah. that be... Uh, Is that a good uh, distinction? Mostly, yes. So, so there is a difference. Okay. The, okay. The, yeah. the, well, I think what, what I'm saying and, and what... My, I understand the Supreme Court justice to be saying is uh, that I'm, I'm emphasizing that we're able to discover truth. Uh, yes. But but he mm. seems to be pointing to the fact that people can determine truth for themselves. Oh, oh right. Yes. Okay. So we're, maybe yeah. everyone's listening. We're like, yeah. <laughs> get it. We're slow. Maybe we're the last ones to. Have no, no, no. That. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> okay. But we want to okay. really emphasize so, yeah. okay. that, that truth is what it is, regardless of yeah. what I think okay. about it. Got it. All right. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Let me try and nutshell it. I think I've <laughs> yeah, got it. Yeah. Truth exists. Yes. And we can find it. Yes. We, we have the ability that's right. to find it. But we, but we can't, can't create it. it. Yes. We can't say from now on, killing babies yeah. and old people for fun is all okay. Is all okay. Yeah. We can't. Because that's creating a morality. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Is, how, with, how's are we that? right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, we made it. Okay. <laughs> I think we've, okay. I think we've kind of got it. So now yeah. bring us back to, because there's so many different ways. <clears throat> yeah. I'm sure we're triggering a lot of, you know, different people's perspectives talking about, you know, the, um, Racial tensions, the abortion debates, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, put, yeah. the Trump stuff, all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. Maybe we'll get into that one day. Where yeah. bring it back to John, John Steingard, yeah. and now you're saying and the drift away and the drift away. Sure. So are you saying that? Th- talk to us about the idea we've just been talking about and how you see it manifesting as a bad idea within this context of John. Oh, context of John right. and the trend of drifting away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like I said, I, I'm basing my thoughts on his Instagram story. So, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, may be yeah, yeah, reading sure. more into it than he meant. Uh, yeah. But just, yeah, no worries. just as an example, um, he said uh, he was in high school when he first started having doubts and, and questions and stuff. And he says, I figured I was overthinking all these things. This was the beginning of my doubt, and I began to develop the reflex to simply push it down and soldier on. I felt it must be true. So rather than owning these questions and owning these doubts and thinking through the issues and the implications and all of those things, uh, at least in his story, he forced that down and just went by I've always grown up this way. This is what everybody I know believes. Uh, this is all that I've ever known. So this has got to be true. Uh, I know in, in my own life, <clears throat> excuse me, I uh, don't know how much you know about the differences in uh, Christianity and various cults of Christianity and stuff, but uh, Jehovah's Witnesses is a very popular uh, offshoot mm-hmm. of, of Christianity here in, in America. And uh, of course, we would argue it's not Christian at all, has a completely different view of Jesus and, and a completely different view of God and salvation and all those things. Uh, but my grandmother was a Jehovah's Witness. My uh, One of my aunts 
her daughter and, and her whole family uh, are still are Jehovah's Witnesses. My grandmother died a few years ago. Uh, but I remember my aunt saying uh, the reason she became a Jehovah's Witness was because this was in the 70s, I guess, in North Carolina. So, you know, post uh, post Jim Crow and all those things. Sorry if you hear the background noise of my kids in the background. Yeah, no. it's all right. Um, <laughs> but still, Central North Carolina things are still relatively segregated, right, in the 70s. Uh, but she yeah. had several African-American friends. She went to the Kingdom Hall where the Jehovah's Witness have their uh, services, and she saw white people, African-Americans, all worshiping together, being friends, intermingling. And she said, this is it. This has got to be true. And that was all, that was all it took for her because she, she felt this connection rather than actually examining the doctrines, examining their teachings, and, and seeing what was actually being taught. Uh, she just had this experience that, that resonated with her personally, and, and that's where she went. Uh, and this is not, right. you know, John's case specifically, but in, in several of these other um, kind of deconstruction stories that we're hearing about, uh, there seems oftentimes to be a moral component, uh, whether it's um, the Christianity, uh, at least historical Christianity's teachings of uh, about homosexuality or uh, transgenderism or any of these kind of hot button issues today. Uh, you know, maybe they struggled with it themselves, had a family member that struggled with these uh, desires or behaviors. And they'll say, you know, this, this just felt so judgmental to go back to our opening segment or so yeah, unloving yeah. or whatever. And again, instead of examining their own assumptions of, of what these words actually mean and what the Bible actually teaches, what natural law actually has to say about these things. They just went with their gut, so to speak, and said, you know, I just I feel more loving towards these people if I act this way and believe X, whatever, whatever that may be. So right. they abandon right. the historical Christianity they may have, have grown up in. And maybe they grew up in right. a really bad church with some really bad teachings. You know, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but still, it's based on a, a lot of a lot of these feelings rather than actually wrestling with uh the texts with the philosophy uh with the actual ideas uh behind these things right right so so what would you say to someone then like as we as we spoke to john john and he encounters this level of feeling the suffering i think when he was in africa and he felt the suffering and what would you say to someone that's saying i'm feeling as if this is not loving and I can't let's, let's take as an example, not to debate the idea of gay marriage. It's Mm. like, they might say it feels as if I am discriminating against them and it doesn't feel like I'm accepting them. Mm. So I'm going to, I don't feel that I'm loving them. So I'm going to support gay marriage because that doesn't feel like love to me. What would be your response to that component of feeling you're talking about as saying not a reliable measure of determining the natural law truth. That's right. So um, our, our feelings and our emotions, if, if everything is properly ordered the way it should be, and we don't typically live this way from day to day, but our feelings and emotions should follow our intellect. Uh, so they should be based on the truth that we know rather than being led by our feelings and emotions and then using our intellect to validate those. 
And, and what we see right. a lot of times, even in the church, probably worse in the church at times than in the culture, is I'm right. led by my feelings and my emotions, and then I use my intellect to validate whatever that feeling or experience or emotion happened to be, rather than the other way around. So my first question for someone struggling with that, and I've asked myself these same questions, is, well, what do you mean by love? What does it mean to love someone? And until you answer that question and you have the truth about that, you can't know whether you're actually loving someone or not. You just know how you feel about it. And So follow that for me. If, if they were to ask that question and mm-hmm. say, what do you mean by love? What do you think they would be meaning and what do you think a good definition of love would be? Yeah. yeah, so at least here uh, in, in uh, the U.S., uh, it doesn't take you long to figure out that most people mean uh, affirmation or uh, encouragement or um, okay. uh, just embracing whatever feeling, value, behavior someone says that they have. If I'm going to love that person, I have to affirm that in them. Uh, apparently, most of the people who are uh, having influence on people's understandings of love must not have kids because it takes you about five minutes of being a parent to know that that's a ridiculous notion uh, that if I'm going to love my kid, I have to affirm everything that they say or do uh, because that doesn't last very long uh, at all. Actually, it'd be the most unloving thing that I could do for them Uh, in a majority of cases. I affirm you to have fairy floss for breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) So it really goes back to this uh, understanding of what we mean by good and and this whole notion of natural law. And this is how all these philosophical ideas really play together. Uh, So just to to divert for just a moment, uh, so much of, of our modern thinking has become so compartmentalized. Uh, even, again, how we think about God and the church and all of this, we're, we're answering questions. And, and, and so we get the, the answer in this box and this box and this box and this box, and everything's kind of isolated. And, and so there's these competing ideas, uh, these competing um, uh, just different notions that, that don't seem to go together, but they answer these questions. And so what a more classical uh, philosophical approach will do is really try to get at a systematic understanding of reality so that these ideas all cohere together. And so you're building uh, this tapestry of thinking, so to speak, uh, where all these ideas stand or fall together. If you mess this one up over here, Mm -hmm. then this one on down the line is going to be messed, messed up as well because they're all interwoven together. So with this whole idea of love, Uh, classically understood love is to will the good of another, to want the other to fulfill their good. Of course, then we have to ask, well, what do you mean by good? And so then we get back to, you know, our our earlier conversation. Uh, So for uh, for the the question of gay marriage, for example, uh, and we're talking just specifically about behavior here. So there's a distinction with this particular issue between uh, someone's feelings or desires uh, that, that may uh, be towards the same sex versus actually acting on those desires. And, and so with gay marriage specifically, uh, I would argue that you know, marriage is a, a, a specific type of relationship uh, that involves two people of the opposite sex 
that naturally tends towards the procreation of children, which need a mom and dad for their natural care and all these sorts of things. Of course, we have single parent families and, and all this. I'm talking about all things being equal, how things typically work, given our, our nature as, as humans. Uh, so for me to encourage or affirm behavior that is contrary to that good, uh, that would be the most unloving thing I can do. Uh, now, how I treat that person, how I um, walk with them, and, and what it actually means to love them on a day-to-day basis in an interpersonal relationship, you know, that's a completely different question. But I can at least know that it doesn't mean I have to affirm their beliefs, values, or behaviors just because they happen to have them. You know, we have to go back to that question of truth and say, mm-hmm. well, are those things based on truth about reality? And if they're not, mm-hmm. then we need to abandon them. And that doesn't mean that's always easy to do, uh, but that is at least uh, our, our goal. Because this posture then seems to me as if it has to come from some level of having moral authority. So for yeah. that love example, using your kids, you have to have that authority over them to say, I know what's best for you because yeah. I've been on this earth for 40 years. You've been yeah. on this earth for three years. Yeah. Let me guide yeah. you in that way. And it sounds as if when it comes to the morality of society, that in order to have this, this level of, it has to come from a level of exclusivity saying, mm. I have found the truth and this is the way. Yeah. And then almost impose that on them, on somebody else for that good yeah in it and and that's where if you contrast the secular world it's not going to make that claim no, no. because it, it it in a way can't make that claim it yeah. will it will appeal to things like because you can still go to science and say well what's the suicide rate in the lgbtq community yeah, yeah, yeah. is are these helpful policies in that area you can yeah. still have like hard data to determine yeah. yeah what is helpful and unhelpful but you can't then say I think it would be better for you to be in that type of relationship mm. or you to not be in that type of relationship mm. because it would require me to come from a position of I know what the truth is. Yeah, yeah. Um, just some of your thoughts and reflections on kind of what I'm unpacking there. Uh, sure. So this, uh, two things. Um, one, as far as uh, lawmaking goes, someone's morality is always going to be legislated. Right, because that's just what legislation does: is legislating mm-hmm. some type of morality. Uh, so mm-hmm. we better hope that whoever we're putting into power to make those types of of laws and legislation cares about what the truth of reality is, and they're not going to suddenly say, you know, hey, the purge is a good idea. Let's let everybody murder people <laughs> for a night. You know, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So we better hope they they care about reality. And that goes back to the whole Supreme Court justice thing. And well, if it means everybody gets to determine reality for themselves, then that's going to be a problem. Um, mm. And the second thing, uh, now that I'm, I'm trying to remember what the second thing was, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, well, I, maybe while you think, sure, go ahead. Maybe in that understanding of things, what would it look like in this um, analogy of, of gay marriage? What would it look like? to love a gay person then. Oh, yeah. Like, what? how would, like, physically what, like, because 
John saying like he went to Africa, he saw this, all these things, and he just felt like it wasn't, it, he wasn't loving them, and so it's that feeling again. So what does it look like yeah. from your where you're coming from to love the other person? Mm-hmm. Like what's the mechanics of it? Yeah. Um, so I remember what I was going to say. So let me answer that first, and then I'll come back to that. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so yeah, I, yeah. I think what you were getting at with you know it, it's exclusive. It seems like I'm saying well then I know what the truth is mm, for you and, right. and all those sorts of things. That's kind of going back to this assumption that we're not capable of knowing reality in the first place. So uh, yeah. it's because we are capable of knowing reality that we can have these conversations. So I'm not saying I'm right just because I'm right and imposing yeah. that. I'm not imposing my view on you. I'm going to make an argument mm. to you that this is how I'm convinced reality is. And if I can yeah. convince mm. you of that argument and persuade you to my point of view, well, then we've had good dialogue and communication and, and we have a relationship. If you don't agree with me and I haven't made my case, well, okay, I didn't, I w- didn't persuade you, yeah. but, but I'm, not, mm. uh, I'm not imposing that on you. I, I'm not mm. saying yeah, right. this is just my truth and I'm going to impose that on you. Mm-hmm. No, I'm arguing that mm-hmm. this is truth for everybody. I guess ultimately it becomes the imposition once it becomes legislation, right? Yeah. That's yeah. like Australia had a plebiscite having people vote whether like homosexual relationships should be included in the marriage definition. Yeah. And then so people who like me who are, are not gay, yeah. I got to then impose my opinion. Yes, that's I right. suppose that's maybe what people would say. Yeah, uh, yeah but that's why we have debate. And, and, and that's why mm-hmm. we we have uh, in, in uh, democracies or, or republics the ability to to vote and, and you know to to try to persuade people to our points of view uh, and you know if we lose then we try again next time if if we think it's a bad mm-hmm. policy or whatever but again the the point is it's not based on just mere opinion just because I happen mm-hmm. to think it doesn't mean that it's just merely right. my opinion. I'm convinced, You're looking for more underneath it. Right. I'm convinced that reality is this way. I have judged yeah. mm-hmm. that this mm-hmm. is a truth about reality. And, and so then my job mm-hmm. is to communicate that well and to persuade people mm-hmm. who disagree with me uh, because that is loving right. them. <laughs> to, to, to know right. the truth about reality right. is a good towards which we're directed. Right. And so that mm-hmm. is the loving thing to do. Uh, now, uh, Cam, yeah. with regard to your question, uh, you know, that that's really going to vary from person to person and, and relationship to relationship. So, you know, I'm certainly yeah. not suggesting that uh, every uh, gay person we run up, we uh, run into, you know, we immediately go up to them and say, Hey, I love you. So therefore I'm going to tell you the 10 reasons why I think you're wrong. You know, that, that is uh, <laughs> yeah. not at all what, yeah. I'm, what I'm saying. Good conversation starter yeah. though. <laughs> don't, don't, doesn't sound like a great way to start a relationship. <laughs> uh, so, you know, oftentimes these kinds of things have to happen in the context of relationship. And it's not going to be, you know, one conversation. <laughs> it's probably going to be hundreds of, yeah. of conversations. Yeah. Uh, but really mm-hmm. the only point I was getting at, just as the more general picture, is... I know the unloving thing to do is to pretend like I'm perfectly fine with everything and encourage this behavior. Mm. If I'm convinced that that behavior is wrong, that would be the most unloving thing 
that I could do. It would be like, right. you know, me trying to, this is probably a bad analogy, but just to, to show you what I mean, uh, you know, it'd be like me trying mm. to encourage the alcoholic uh, with a beer, you know, mm. it's like that, that yeah. you're struggling with something that I don't think is good yeah. for you. So I'm not going yeah. to encourage mm. that. 12, 12 years sober. Have hey, a beer. congratulations. You're here. You're here. It sounds like when we come back to the the trend or the dangerous idea that's leading probably a lot of millennials to follow that trajectory out of um, mainline Christianity and, and Christian ways of thinking. Are you saying that you can kind of, you're saying they're, they feel these things and they feel like it's not that. And then they go with that feeling rather than test it with their intellect. And it sounds as if you're saying, you can almost calibrate your feelings because you said the 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 intellect comes first and then the feelings follow yeah. off. And you're, you, it sounds like you're saying they might have it the other way around. So are you saying that we can train the mind and then calibrate the feelings to feed back what we've trained the mind to? Uh, yeah. In a sense, and and I would certainly say uh, we all have that reversed. Uh, the majority of the time, probably. Just ask my kids. They, right. <laughs> I'm sure they would agree that I uh, that I reverse that uh, way way too often if I'm mad at them or something. Uh, mm-hmm. But but yeah, I mean it, it it is something that requires a lot of work and, and a lot of effort. And and frankly, we're we're lazy, and myself included. You know, we have very short attention spans. We're just bing, 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 back and forth to the latest headline. And, you know, some meme I saw, I think, today or yesterday, somebody looking at their phone, hmm, what am I supposed to be mad about today? You know, it's that that kind of <laughs> that kind of mentality. Uh, and, and to really ponder these things. And, and honestly, you know, I, I can't blame John or, or any of these guys uh, necessarily because none of this has happened in a vacuum. The church mm-hmm. ha- has drifted this way to this anti-intellectual kind of uh, Christian conviction for decades, and, and we're reaping uh, the fruit of that uh, now because we haven't trained people how to think. The universities are the same way. Uh, they have not trained people how to think. They've become uh, really propaganda stations, essentially, and, and uh, just telling people how to think and how upset they're supposed to be and how triggered they're supposed to be and uh, all of these sorts mm. of things rather than actually teaching them how to be rational human beings. Uh, and, and so from, so from top um, to bottom in our society, we're, we're just completely messed up in this area. Yeah, that's, you, you mentioned the word propaganda there and that sort of made me think back to what you were saying before. Um, and I was wondering what your thoughts are on... I guess like how money plays into this because what you're saying or what what I'm hearing is um, when you legislate, you you go into debate and you try and convince people that, you know, your position is, is the correct one. Um, and my question is when I see that in politics in Australia and I'm sure it's the same in the States with you guys, often the people with the most money have the loudest voices. Mm-hmm. So how can we be sure that mm. the voices that we're hearing are the most truthful, are the most accurate, are the most loving and, and generous? Like what, what, how do we pull that apart sort of thing in, in, the, in the context of a debate where it's, you know, policy is on the line, yeah. anti-abortion, 
homosexuality, gay marriage, whatever, whatever the sure. topic sort of thing. Sure. I, I wish I knew the answer. <laughs> I'm not smart enough to, to <laughs> have that answer because I struggle with it as well. And it is, it is maddening, uh, especially right now. I mean, the last, uh, month and a half or whatever, uh, since all of the, the tensions have blown up here, uh, in the U S I mean, I've been reading article after article and watching, uh, videos and all of this sort of stuff, man, I, I never watch the news and Fox news and all that sort of <laughs> stuff. And it's been like every day, yeah. you know, for the last month and a half, just cause I'm trying to figure out where's my thinking wrong on this. Where, where, where are these guys yeah. thinking <laughs> wrong on this? Where, where is the truth? in all of this yeah. uh, because I think the church and, and society as a whole is missing uh, the point in so many of these areas. Uh, and so just to use this example, uh, this current uh, example here in the U S uh, you know, for me, and you know, I may, may still be wrong. I'm still learning uh, in all of, in all of the, yeah. the racial tension stuff right now. Uh, but there's a man over here named uh, Bob Woodson. He runs the the Woods founded the Woodson Center. They do inner city ministry, and, or, or not really ministry. I don't even know if he's a Christian, honestly. Um, but they go into inner cities, train up mentors, leaders in the community who go back into the community, train up more mentors, and this is kind of perpetual thing. Uh, he's a fifty year veteran of the civil rights movement. You know, he's on Fox News and things regularly. But uh, you know, I have no idea about his personal life. I've never seen him flying in a private jet or doing any kind of these things. I just see this 70 something year old man pouring his life into these communities with very little recognition until something like this happens. And he's ha you know, on the news or something. Uh, but compare mm -hmm. him to someone like a, uh, Al Sharpton, who, who's one of the, the, the major, uh, leaders in, in the, the racial issues uh, here in the States and has been for decades. Uh, you don't hear a lot about him until something bad does happen. And then he shows up in his chartered plane with his thousand dollar suit and, you know, charging a thousand dollars to go speak here and there and, and everywhere. And, you know, I, I can't uh, judge the truth of what he's saying based on any of that. Uh, because, you know, his motives or any of that are, have no bearing on the truth of his statements. Uh, mm. But it, who has the more compelling case for me to pause and listen to? The guy who's pouring his right. heart into these communities or the guy who's becoming a millionaire based on the suffering of these communities? You know, that that's mm. a little easier uh, decision. And they're, they're not always that... <laughs> night and day kind of kind of differences but man that is especially in politics uh, i hate politics it is it is such a tough tough thing it sounds like that trend right of like you, yeah you said that the truth of what someone is saying should stand separate to the circumstances of which they come like when you come to a debate you try and put the idea forward and say mm. here is the idea yes i'm a millionaire or no i'm not a millionaire mm. but i think like you're identifying it is unavoidable yeah to not draw these comparisons of what is the motive behind what people are doing sure. mm. and what are they being kind of rewarded for saying socially and things like that yeah um so i i wonder if um, it becomes this game of we're guessing at people's motives yeah. and why they are doing what they're doing. Yeah. 
Um, and how helpful is that? Like that's yeah. It's hard to to yeah. kind of to to separate and to yeah. step to step back into what do you think is so dangerous about this going off feelings that's leading people away from Christianity? What do you think the worst case scenario yeah. is? Because as we talk to What's John Steingarten, yeah. a lot of people in our generation that have gone that, that way, we ask the question, well, they, they keep saying, I'm more open, more loving, yeah. more inclusive, more, humble. more accepting. And yeah. I know uh, like there's that big news rift divide with the Fox News on one side, the CNN on the other side. Mm. But as, as we talk to you, you sound exactly like I would say the people on the other side saying, yeah. we are fighting for more love, yeah. more inclusion, more openness, more acceptance. We are yeah. fighting to solve the police brutality problems. Yeah, that's We're right. pushing for legislation that might push for more equality. And then hearing you kind of say the same thing, mm. saying, I like I admire this man who pours his time and energy and effort into poor communities. Yeah. What do you say to those people who like say the John Steingards or the or the people on the other side of the debate who are saying, Yes, I agree. I I am going towards more love. I am going towards inclusion. Mm. But your what what's your hesitation about when they say that? Yeah, yeah. Well, it goes back to that whole idea of uh you know, same words, but probably a different dictionary. And, and, and so we have to, you know, get back to those fundamental questions of well, what do you mean by love? What do you mean by good? What do you mean by truth? What do you mean by equality? What do you mean by Can you measure freedom? it when you say that? Like when you say, I want to love somebody and everyone, everyone goes, well, show me the outcome of that love. Because I know talking to multiple people, they would say, um, they would say that take gay marriage, the church's stance on gay marriage, for example, mm-hmm. that's pushed a lot of people out. A lot of people in our generation are like, this doesn't show love. It doesn't show inclusion. It doesn't show acceptance. And they would point to their uh, suicide high suicide rates yeah. in the community. And at least the church I grew up in, either people who are gay but not telling anybody yeah. or not in the church. Yeah. And so these people would point to that and saying, how loving is it if they don't feel like they can be here with us? Yeah. So that's what they yeah. would point to about what's love. As as you as, as they are, because you know, Jesus says, Come as you are. Right. And they're saying, Well, these people are saying we're gay and they don't feel like we're a part of the community. And they're pointing to like this yeah. this metric of saying, yeah. Well, there's no one who's openly gay in the church yeah. or very low numbers. Yeah. What yeah. would I guess you point to saying this kind of metric, if I want to illustrate my love and my approach, what would you point to to, to demonstrate that? Yeah, goodness. Whole whole lot there. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot in that. Yeah, we don't let up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's true. Jesus said, come as you are. Uh, but he also didn't intend to leave us that way, right? So if there is a, a church where um, someone dealing with homosexuality does not feel welcome, then there's something wrong with that church. Okay. So, so that's the first thing. Uh, so, you know, just because someone names the name of Jesus or is such and such church doesn't mean they're necessarily uh, living that out. Okay. Uh, right. So that, that's the first thing to, to keep in mind uh, just as far as context. Um, but someone being welcome 
uh, versus someone someone's life choices being celebrated and affirmed are two different things. Uh, so, I mean, just use a heterosexual example, right? So, so the, the guy who struggles with uh, fornication or uh, the married guy who struggles with adultery. Uh, you know, I, I don't know of uh, any church and I don't know very many Christians or non-Christians who would uh, openly welcome such a person and not expect some kind of remorse and change, right? They're not going to to celebrate that in that person's life. And so that just goes back to, well, what are the arguments for and against homosexual behavior? Why does the church say what it does and teach what it does about human sexuality? Uh, and I don't... So then what would you say then to... Uh... And maybe my uh, generalization of statistics is off here, but what would you say then if you look at cr- like modern Christianity, mm-hmm. Protestantism across the board and see very few uh, people in, who are openly gay within that institution, mm-hmm. you say, if they don't like, what, how do you explain that statistic of them not feeling welcome and not, not what, how do you explain that low number? And not draw the conclusion that well we're doing something wrong here because they don't feel welcome. How do you, how would you then explain that? Is church missing something? Yeah. What do, What do you mean by um, openly gay? What, what do you mean by that that phrase and that? Context? Well, I mean, I, I've got a lot of I got a lot of friends who I guess are Christian, but wouldn't are not a kind of they've come out gay later. Mm-hmm. Um, so they stayed in the church, and then when they came out gay, they left. Um, and so I'm just kind of openly gay is an easy way to measure it being like, okay. hi, I'm, I identify as gay and I go to church and I'm a Christian. Yeah. How, how do you, what do you say to that number saying there's not many homosexuals in church? So does that mean church is doing something wrong or how, how do you see that? Yeah. If, if you mean uh, by openly gay that they're uh, embracing uh, of their homosexual desires and, and, uh, either in just embracing the desires or acting on the desires. Uh, so if that's what openly gay means, uh, then it's no surprise that, that there wouldn't be many people like that in, in churches that, that teach historical Christianity because they're, they're going to teach against that kind of behavior, just like they're going to teach against adultery and stealing and any list of, of sinful behaviors that we could list. But if you mean... But there's also very few... Gay people, like I guess you're about to say, there's also a lot of gay people and there wouldn't be many people who would say, I'm gay, but I'm a Christian and I'm not embracing that lifestyle. I'd say that number is also very low. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know the numbers, but I know some very prominent uh, people who are like that. Uh, here in the States, okay. there's a, a gentleman, he's a seminary professor, uh, I think it may be Moody, I can't remember where, uh, Christopher uh, Yuan, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Um, and, uh, as far as I know, Christopher, if you, if you happen to hear this, uh, forgive me if I misstate (laughs) your story. Uh, but as far as I know, um, he is someone who's, who still, you know, struggles with those same kind of, of desires, but Mm -hmm. has chosen, has given, you know, turned all that over to, to Christ and, and relies on his grace uh, to to not live that out and not act that out, and mm-hmm. he's Sounds he's a very like prominent uh, speaker on those issues. Up. Actually, <laughs> yeah, he might be. Yeah. yeah, sure. If you for know sure. him, for you sure. should 
let and us I, have a chat. And I guess we follow the the bit of a maze here, just trying to map out different yeah, ways yeah. of thinking in, in yeah. different sorts of things. Yeah. But I guess to go right back to the clickbait, when you say the cure, yeah. you, you're saying there's this dangerous thing filtering through where I, people are leaving Christianity because they're determining truth for themselves. Yeah. And you're saying truth is truth you can't make it up yourself yeah what do you say the cure is then yeah. when you say there's the cure for the drift away what is that cure? what would either stop people from drifting away or bring them back what is that cure yeah i you know i don't think there is one silver bullet or magic pill you know because the, the, okay. because it yeah. just spans a, a, again a spectrum of, of why people struggle with this yeah. so they may be vocal mm. about one yep. specific reason they give for their deconstruction but you know there may be some yeah. some other thing that they either don't talk about or that they're not even aware mm. of that you know has, has led to, yeah. to this thinking. Uh, so you know it's going to it's going to vary, and there's not just one easy uh, kind of fix. But uh, you know f- what I've seen, at least in uh, a lot of modern evangelicalism, even in a lot of modern apologetics kind of material, is just kind of this assumption that that uh, God is just a really big Superman. You know, he, he's mm-hmm. much more powerful than us. He's much more moral than us. He knows more than we do. And uh, at the end of the day, if we are good enough, he becomes our genie in a bottle kind of thing. And then we're disappointed when he doesn't grant our request or, or whatever. And mm-hmm. that is just a really, really, really superficial and I think dangerous way to view God. Uh, it really becomes a mm-hmm. type of idolatry uh, but if that is what your hope is in, and when those expectations aren't met, well, then it's no wonder that you know you're you're easy, at least more easily susceptible to uh, these doubts and plaguing questions that that lead you to this deconstruction or or this drift away uh, because you were focusing on the wrong thing to begin with, uh, and, and the wrong kind of idolatrous kind of thinking about God can never meet God-like <laughs> expectations. Uh, so a lot of it, not necessarily feelings, but maybe just wrong expectations uh, of who huh. God is and how he's supposed to interact with us uh, that, that really are built up from just either poor thinking or a lack of thinking and understanding about uh, the actual nature of God. Uh, can can yeah. really, I think, influence these things. So having this proper understanding of truth really pretty helpful distinction. Really helps yeah. with that. Yeah. So if if that is one picture of God that some people have, this super being Santa Claus type God, uh, what is what would you say is a more healthy picture yeah. of God? Yeah. So you know, we would argue that that the the classical view of God uh, really is the only thing back to this whole notion of all these. Uh, ideas fitting together and, and forming this tapestry, tapestry, this classical understanding of God uh, really is, is where we get all of the classical attributes that, that you know, maybe you're familiar with, all the omnis, uh, omnipotent and omnipresent yeah, yeah. and all those sorts of things. Uh, and, and we would argue that all of those things stand or fall together. So if you get rid of one, it's like a, a house of cards. You know, they all start crumbling down because they're all built on the same philosophical uh, framework. So understanding that, that God is wholly other. He, he is not mm. a type of being in the universe. He is being itself. 
He's the reason that anything else exists. He sustains it in existence at every moment it exists. And of course, we would need to argue for all these assertions that I'm making. Uh, but this is just how we would uh, how we would understand God from from the classical sense. So, uh, just to give you one example, uh, you know, God doesn't have more knowledge than us. It's he he knows in a completely different way than we know. So it's not as if we could learn and learn and learn and learn and learn for all of eternity and eventually, you know, inch our way up to to this God kind of knowledge because it's not a difference in amount. It's a difference in kind. So God just knows. Mm. Past, present, future, and his eternal now, he knows. He doesn't reason. It doesn't mean he's unreasonable or illogical, but he doesn't have to form arguments with premises and reach conclusions. Sounds almost mystical in this un the unknowing yeah. of like on some level we it's like beyond beyond the if, he, if it's a different kind of knowing yeah. then how are we to know that different kind yeah. of knowing it's only through like metaphor and struggling to try yeah. and well, actually, understand that god is yeah thomas aquinas would argue that that we know god analogically so we don't know god in a univocal sense in exactly the same way but we don't know truths mm-hmm. about god in an equivocal sense and that it's you know completely mm-hmm. different. We know God. We know God right. analogically. So when we say God has knowledge through analogy, is that what that? That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of the same, kind of different, right? So when when we yeah. say God has knowledge, we don't mean that He has knowledge mm. in exactly the same way that we have knowledge. But we also don't mm. don't mean yeah. something completely different. We just mean that His That's knowledge right. is equal to His being, so it's unlimited. Whereas our knowledge mm. is finite, and we make arguments with premises and reach conclusions and, and all these sorts of things. So, uh, so we have these limitations, exactly yeah. difficulties in, in understanding right. that, which right. um, let me, let me piece together something, how maybe some people are hearing it and, and I want to get your take on it as we kind of wrap up it. It's almost like when you read the article, you, some people could read it on this level and say, okay, he's drifted away from God, you know, and it's, a bad thing. But listening to you talk... Yeah, and yeah, but we should define that. It's Adam is saying that that is a bad thing. That's Is that what you're saying? I'm saying people might read it and get that. Yeah, that Adam thinks that that's Whether bad. Whether Adam's saying yeah, that that's, or not. That's right. Um, yeah. so, so there's there's that one take of saying, okay, drift away from Christianity, that's bad. Uh, but then there's, as I hear you talk, there's this picture of God that you think a lot of people perhaps have that is a piece of the puzzle as to why they're deconstructing this yeah. super being type God that they're deconstructing. So there is that reading of it yeah. that then says this deconstruction, this journey John is on of seeking, asking hard questions as we spoke to him. That's the yeah. impression I got that yeah. he uh, hadn't ge- settled anywhere. No, generally, yeah. genuinely wrestling and taking it seriously. And everyone else I talk to, as we listen to this catalog, as you yeah. listen to the podcast, yeah. I'm set, I'm getting Almost everything you're talking about, about this wrestling with what is the truth, how are yes. we finding this truth, in a way I'm seeing it. So when you watch John's journey... On some journey, level, that's, Adam's done the same thing that's as right. John. That's right. In a different way, in a di- but it's essentially I know. And same. maybe people are like, oh, you're just marrying things that aren't together, so I yeah. want to get Adam's take yeah, on it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but it, there's almost a sense in which John's drift away from Christianity is John's drift away from a certain construction of unhelpful God, Yeah, and that's a good thing, Yeah, because he's found this 
this say, let's say it is a super being of yeah. like God that knows more than us and all of these yeah. things. Yeah. And John encounters the suffering and goes, that does doesn't, not work doesn't anymore. Mesh, yeah. It's almost, you could read it as that deconstruction being a helpful step towards yeah. perhaps this truth that Adam is also trying to communicate, communicate about. Yeah. What are your thoughts and take on on, on what I'm pulling together? Yeah, there? no, that's really interesting. And, and I think it's very insightful because um, I haven't really thought about it in that in that regard exactly. Um, and I certainly believe, uh, you know, that, that God can use uh, all of our circumstances, whether good or bad, for his glory and, and for our good. Um, yeah. But, you know, if we think about it in an analogical sense, like we were just talking about, so let's use an analogy uh, and, and say, uh, you know, some some person has some particular disease, what whatever it is, uh, will, you know, make something up. Uh, so if this person could have, uh, they, they found out they were sick, they could have taken a pill and and gotten better, right? That would have been a good thing, right? But if they didn't do that and, and the disease progressed and now they have to have some life-threatening major surgery that they may come out alive on the other end, but it's the only chance to save their life. Well, I'm glad there's a surgery for that, but it's very, very mm. dangerous. And I hope they don't get to that mm. point. Mm. So, what, so what's analogy. The, I, it's a good analogy and I like it, but what is the solution to the problem? Because it doesn't seem to me, looking at a lot of Western Christianity, that they even offer that same pill. Like the pill is not on offer. Given the high numbers of yeah. millennials leaving. That are leaving. Right. That's and right. and so, so let me finish the analogy. So if, yeah, if okay. we carry the analogy on, on forward, <clears throat> what if there's a vaccine to this disease where someone didn't have to get sick in the first place? Hmm. That's what we're arguing for, that, that people are getting right. sick and now trying to cure that disease is going to be very difficult. But if we give them the vaccine, I'm not arguing for COVID vaccines or anti-vax or any of that stuff. <laughs> Just an analogy, He's an people. Anti-vaxxer. Don't be triggered, okay? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But but what we're arguing is if the church was doing a better job to begin with and equipping people mm. with how to think, equipping people with truth about God that corresponds to reality and an, a, a, an understanding of truth itself, of natural law, mm. of this this depth of, of information that we have at our fingertips that largely goes mm. ignored or, or it is uh, watered down or is completely misunderstood. Uh, if we got that right to begin with, then perhaps we could prevent many of these diseases in the first place. And, and, and so really, mm. that's kind of what my article was trying to get at. Uh, not necessarily right. the cure so for someone who's sick, but preventing yeah. others from getting sick. So you're more, in that case, yeah. what I'm hearing is that you're more writing the article towards the hope, in the hope that churches and systems and organizations right. and institutions will read That's it right. and not like, John, here's where you're going wrong sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, it's a exactly. critique. It's almost a critique of yourself yeah. being somebody working within the system, working within... And, and maybe that's why Adam works at an institution right. that teaches because he sees that that's where his greatest... That's right. Well, and that, that, really is, that really is what sets Southern Evangelical Seminary apart 
is that we are one right. of the only evangelical institutions in, in the U.S. at least that that approaches things from this classical philosophical perspective and this classical theism, natural theology, natural law, the the, the these uh, undergirding principles that then influence our theology and our and our uh, ability to understand and interpret the Bible, hermeneutics, uh, those kinds of things. So uh, if you miss that component, you're, you're really going to be back to this piecemeal kind of thinking. So do you think then that the Southern Evangelical Seminary, do you think you guys are, have a, have the metaphorical vaccine, are close to discovering the metaphorical vaccine, or do you think or you're you still the, working on the are pill? You, are you still working on the pill? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, what's uh, like I've said several times, uh, you know, we really approach things from this classical philosophical perspective. So we would say the vaccine's been there all the time; it's just been abandoned right. and forgotten and ignored. Yeah. Okay. okay. And and are you so you would be arguing for an adoption of the classical philosophical approach to religion and spirituality in order to prevent the millennials that might have left the church because of what you view as a disease of bad thinking. Uh, I think that would be a very large uh, key component to that. Yep. Okay. More to it, but that's roughly. roughly. Okay. I feel like. Yeah. I feel like I've got my head around. I feel like I have. (laughs) I'm sure I was clear as mud there. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, it was, it was actually... No, it's good. It actually, it's more our slowness than yeah. your inability to communicate. <laughs> As we piece together these things. Yeah. Um, but um, it takes it takes this much time, and this is something that right. we've noticed with the podcast, that it takes this amount of time... Over an hour. ...to fill in all of the gaps That's right. that... Like, Absolutely. You know, because like you say, like and there's a lot walk. of time you're talking past each other because you're like, no, no, wait on uh, this. What do you mean by this? I mean. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's so we really, really appreciate all of the time that you've given us. Oh, Is there anything blast. else you want to touch on, <laughs> clarify? We've touched on so many different things yeah. uh, and we would love to, you know, keep talking, but, you know, we must. People can't get out listen for so <laughs> yeah. long. Is there anything you you, you might want to, like, clarify, sum up, something we might have missed, anything yeah. you want to say? Uh, yeah, just 10 points real quick that I wanted to... Uh, yeah. just, just, uh, <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me see. I wrote them all down That's right cool. here. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I really just want to make sure uh, people grasp... Um, what we were talking about with, with love, because I don't want anyone to walk away uh, thinking, you know, mm. you're saying my lifestyle is sinful. So, you know, therefore you you hate me just like every other Christian I've encountered or, or whatever the mm. case may be. Uh, just mm. I, I want to repeat because uh, I know how easy it is for, to forget these these nuances right. uh, yeah. that that the good is that which fulfills the inner purpose of, of some thing according to its nature, in this case, human nature. Uh, so, you know, with homosexuality specifically, we're talking about uh, the the uh, the end or the purpose of human sexuality. And, you know, we don't obviously have time to get into the to the whole nitty gritty of the arguments and, and all of that. Uh, but suffice it to say, natural law morality would argue that that homosexual behavior is contrary to the good of human nature. And, and so if to love someone means to will their good. To, to will for them to fulfill the goods they're intended to fulfill as human beings. And, and if something like homosexual behavior, for the example we were using, is contrary to that good, then it would be unloving for me to will that for them or, or to right. encourage that in them. Now, I, 
Could I be wrong oh, in that conclusion? Sure. Could they disagree yeah, with, yeah. with what I'm concluded the good is? Well, of course. But I just want someone to understand that if I'm convinced this is what the good is and what the good yeah. of human sexuality is, and this is how I understand love to be, then please know that for me not to affirm that behavior in you is me attempting to love you. And whether you hate me for that or not, that's up to you. But just know that as a human being, and especially as a Christian, I'm not going to stop loving you, which means until my mind is changed and I'm shown why I'm wrong, I'm not going to affirm or endorse or encourage uh, that kind of behavior and how I as an individual or anyone else uh, who's a Christian can can come alongside someone struggling with that behavior or any other sin for that matter and walk with them through that because we all have our own struggles. I need people to walk with me through things and help me through things. Uh, you know, how that looks in an individual's life, that's going to be different from from context to context. Uh, but but just know that that is not trying to be unloving. That that is actually us trying to be loving. I think that's a really good point that you make there because part of what you, what I heard in your articulation there is, um, like when you mentioned that you you still struggle with stuff, right? You still need people to walk with you. I think that a lot of society views Christianity as a group of people who think that they're right. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's maybe that's a significant issue that Christianity faces because you're saying no, no no I haven't got it all together, but society views you as you have it all together. And so when you say I'm going to love you this way, you know, gay person or whatever it is, they don't they don't feel loved by it because they see you as judging them for their. And so I guess on kind of on that thread, what would it take then as you're saying, I'm doing my best to love people the best I can given yeah. my worldview, given where I'm coming from. This is me doing my best to love you. What, what would it take for yeah. you to rethink your approach? As you've said, maybe my approach could be wrong. Maybe I'm not doing the most helpful things. Yeah. What would it take for you to go, you know what, maybe, um, maybe taking a stand against gay marriage isn't loving or yeah. maybe um, some like someone coming to you and saying, I know you're trying to love me, but it's hurting me. What would it take for you to rethink the approach you have to yeah. the act of loving somebody that you might disagree with yeah. in their lifestyle? <clears throat> uh, yeah. So, so two things. Um, one, I would say it, it would be kind of a reverse engineering sort of thing uh, from, from the sequence that I just talked about. So, uh, I I think I would have to understand that, uh, my understanding of love is incorrect, first of all. Uh, and then, uh, that my understanding of, of what is good for someone is incorrect. And of course, ultimately that's going to boil down to, uh, our ability to, to know truth and, you know, the most fundamental level that, that we talked about. So, uh, just showing that those things are wrong and I have yet to see good arguments for that. Um, most of the arguments that are made. So, like, in- if someone, if someone could point to, and I'm now making up some kind of study, if they could point to increased suicide rates within the church, within the LGBT community, given a church's um, lack of Specific, affirmation yeah. or condemnation yeah. of something, yeah. if they could point to a study that that 
said that, would that make you go, okay, well, maybe... We need to restructure. We need to rethink that. Yeah. Would something like that take the questioning of what is good and what is love to be rethought? In yeah, your mind? yeah. No, so actually, that was going to be my second point. So, um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's great. Um, you know, so, so there are, I think, a couple of things to think through with that. Uh, first of all, just from a logical standpoint, the, if, if you boil the argument down to, it, to its broadest components, uh, you're having someone essentially say, um, disagreeing with my beliefs and values and behaviors uh, causes someone, or disagreeing with anyone's beliefs, values, and behaviors causes someone to kill themselves. But this person is disagreeing with my beliefs, values, and behaviors. Therefore, does that person want me to kill myself? If you just like look at it in its in its logical right. standpoint, right? So we couldn't disagree with anyone about anything if that is uh, if that is you know the cause of, of suicide. Uh, but I guess enacted in legislation, I suppose, in the sense that those people who hold the convictions of no gay marriage impose that legislatively on the broader American and Australian society. Yeah. And therefore maybe that's, it's probably more than, yeah, just an opinion. Cause I think, yeah, you point out it's, it's not just the opinion thing and maybe it's the outflow of the opinion. It's yeah. the political, uh, enacting of that, laws and of policies. those laws. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean the same, the same type of argument could, could apply. Uh, you know, so if you legislate laws against, my beliefs, values, and behaviors, then, uh, you know, you're going to cause me to kill myself. So then you're going to be tiptoeing around. Does anybody have a disagreement about, you know, this particular law? Well, yeah, I'm a murderer. I disagree with that because I like to murder people, you know, and you said murdering is wrong. So I'm going to murder myself now. You know, I mean, it, it, it still logically leads to absurdity, but I know what you're saying on a, on a practical yeah. level. Uh, and so practically, yeah, just on the practical level, as a Christian that's right, trying right. to love. So, if practically if, speaking, uh, you know, when you, I think it was um, Doctor uh, McHugh, I forget his first name. Uh, he's the psychiatrist in chief at John Hopkins University here in here in the U.S. Um, so he said that uh, they stopped. I'm using transgenderism as just an example here. Uh, they stopped doing um, transgender surgeries years ago. Uh, because they found that after the surgeries, the the people that one of the surgeries that had these emotional issues and, and these problems, and they were just you know convinced that having this uh, sex change surgery would solve their issues, still suffered by and large from the same issues they had pre-surgery. Not everyone necessarily regretted their surgeries, but they still suffered from the same emotional issues. And so just from, from, I'm obviously not a doctor, but just medically speaking, usually when someone is uh, struggling with suicide or self-harm or these sorts of things, there are other uh, factors, other comorbidities uh, that are occurring at the same time that, that may be expressing themselves in this particular behavior, whether it's uh, someone, you know, living as a transgender person, someone uh, acting out on homosexual desires, whatever the case may be, but there's usually multiple issues occurring at the mm -hmm. same time. And so to just blame, uh, either the, the desire or thought of suicide or self-harm or, or something like that on this one issue, medically speaking, uh, is probably, uh, not a, an accurate thing to do. Uh, now, obviously there is nothing, uh, that should lead someone 
to try to kill themselves or, or to harm themselves. That's the last thing that, that I or you or any of us uh, listening, mm. hopefully, would, would, would uh, the last thing we would want someone uh, to do. But at the same time, for me to love them properly, again, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, we're running up to someone, don't kill yourself, but here are 10 reasons why your homosexual behavior is wrong. You know, I'm not saying that. All I'm, the mm. simple point I'm making in, in this particular conversation is just, it doesn't follow from that, that because someone may struggle with these things, that I therefore should affirm other bad behavior that they have. It, it may mean I have more mm. compassion on them. It may impact how I love them mm. and how mm. we go about working together in a relationship to, to, to deal with these things. But it doesn't follow that I should therefore affirm these behaviors in them. Yeah, Does that make right. sense? But I'm guessing... Yeah, I'm guessing it's the it's the how that I'm I'm looking into and in saying that like if it could be if it could be shown that certain opinions or that the church holds against certain oppressed groups led to political action mm. that led to discrimination of a certain t- group of people would that cause you to reassess on the practical outflowing, because I guess what happens... So, by way of example, we spoke to a guy, um, Jason Hines, That's right. in Florida. Yeah. And he was sort of saying, um, society settled on the fact that we shouldn't treat black people different. Yeah. Like, by and large, that's, right. that's settled. So, how can we then extrapolate that to being, it's still okay to treat homosexuals different? Like, if if color of your skin isn't any different and science is sort of saying that being homosexual could be like you know genetic all that sort of stuff like why like it's not exclusive like we if if if, if one settled why do we why do we still do the, the other thing book. well yeah. i guess i'm even sidestepping that debate yeah i'm even trying to go to the core of like what adam's talking about the best way to love yeah yeah sure. and i suppose what would it take for you to rethink? Because Christians tend to vote a certain way mm-hmm. that let's yeah. stereotype the LGBT community and say they would probably vote the other way. Let's yeah. stereotype it and say that. Yeah. At what point would the Christian community rethink the application of going, okay, we want these no gay marriage enacted as law? At what point would there be a reassessment of going, is this helpful for them mm. for me to enact? Not saying even you have to affirm or, or, or change your worldview. Yeah. Is, it, is there anything that makes you rethink the political inaction of those beliefs? Yeah, like the level necessary? of the limitation of, of, the, of the policy. Yeah, does that yeah. make sense what yeah, I'm trying to yeah. say? Real quickly, Cam, I'll just speak to what you said just like in two sentences. Um, yeah, yeah. So, cool. yeah, using the, the, the race thing, uh, really it's an apples and oranges comparison. Uh, you know, race, it's a category mistake in logic. So uh, someone's ethnicity and, and the level of melanin in their skin is irrelevant uh, to their humanity and how we should treat them a, as human beings. Uh, with regard to, to homosexuality, we're talking about behavior. Uh, so that we, we do treat behaviors differently. We're, we're not devaluing them as human beings. That's what the racial thing's talking about. We're not doing that. 
we're saying this behavior should not be endorsed. And so that's a completely different thing. So it's a category mistake Mm -hmm. uh, in logic to compare those two. Um, But as far as the legislation, I would reverse it and, and, and say not how should I vote differently or how should I think differently uh, or, or um, uh, maybe publicly think differently uh, about these things because it may be causing someone to, to harm themselves. Uh, rather, I would say we need to do a better job of thinking about what actually is causing these people to harm themselves. And, and for that, I would say part of the answer is um, teaching people uh, to think about love in terms of someone affirming their beliefs, values, or behaviors. Uh, If we continue to enforce that idea of love and that type of thinking, that's going to be more and more and more ingrained in people. And so when someone doesn't affirm their beliefs, values, or behaviors, they're going to feel more and more unloved. That's why we have all these safe spaces and all these sorts of things that we see uh, popping up all over the place because if someone doesn't affirm me, then they're dangerous. They're literally dangerous. They're literally violent towards my person just because they have a different idea. That's where we are in our mm. society. That's how absurd mm. things have gotten in our society that you are literally doing violence to me by thinking differently. You don't think there'd be any truth to at least. So that's the extreme that you're talking about there, these safe spaces, the bubble wrap, all, all those kinds of things. But you don't think that that uh, like the vulnerable groups in society are speaking up about any sort of discrimination and oppression on some level societally that comes through legislation or things like that? You wouldn't say there's any truth to it? Um, well, legislation, I, w- I would have to look at specific examples. I mean, we're human beings. Right. So, okay. so, of course... On, on an individual level, people experience yeah. discrimination and, and, and uh, prejudice and all those things for, for a number of different reasons, perhaps because mm-hmm. you're a Christian, <laughs> you know, you, you could experience mm-hmm. that as well. So, uh, you know, people experience that for, for any number of reasons across the world because we're all human beings and, and we all suffer from, from this other disease called pride, right? And, and so we don't always treat people uh, like we should. But it doesn't help things, in my opinion at least, uh, to say, well, let's pretend that some part of reality doesn't exist because these people over here don't want it to exist. If we start going down that route, then it's game over. Uh, then, then we're just digging, digging our grave deeper and And you deeper. say that as a detachment from the the truth that you're trying to discover. You're seeing yeah. that as creating your own truth exactly. as, yeah. as exactly. a society. Yeah. Yeah. Man, well, there's a, there's a lot in that. There is heaps uh, in that. <laughs> we, we could go yeah. for a long time, but... Yeah. Hey, my kids are yeah. in bed, man. I got all night, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk yeah. to you. Uh, like Again, it, really generous with your time. That's right, really generous <laughs> no, with your time. Blast, this is the second time we've wrapped up. <laughs> if, if you're listening to this and... I mean, I don't even have to say if you might be triggered. I'm hoping yeah. some people are triggered. That is the goal of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you've managed to go, oh, man, I disagree with that or I agree or whatever. Yeah. And you've kept listening to try and like unpack and understand, then that's the yeah. point. Yeah. Uh, that's... Whether you agree or disagree. Yeah. Doesn't 
doesn't really matter. Yeah. It's not really what we're here for. Yeah. Hopefully, we've been able to unpack some of Adam's ideas. We followed a few rabbit holes there to try and map a few ways of thinking and yeah. how Adam sees the world. The I think I've got of it. That's yeah. right. I think I've yeah. got a, a really like much better understanding of who Adam is and how yeah. he sees the world and then yeah. how he then applies that to different situations. Yeah. So hopefully you've been given some ideas to sit with and digest there yeah. On, yeah. on the podcast. Good tag. If you would like <laughs> to connect with Adam and I, I guess how would people best connect with you or see some of your work, Find Adam? Find your work. Uh, yeah, like you that. can learn uh, more about Southern Evangelical Seminary at uh, S ces.edu uh, and uh, we offer uh, completely online uh, degrees and certificates if anyone's interested uh, we live stream our uh, our live classes and then we have you know recorded asynchronous classes as well so even folks down yeah, under cool. can uh, can take part if they want yeah can do it for the wonders of the internet. Yeah. So if you want to connect with Adam, you can you can do it that way. And yep. if you want to send us an email, ideasdigest at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram. Watch mostly most live streams at yeah. Ideas Digest. Yep. Listen, it's it's been an awesome conversation. Yeah. I've got a lot to sit with and digest. Yeah. I'm I'm sure you do yeah, Ken, as definitely, well. Definitely. So a lot we, of info there. <laughs> we will catch you in the next episode. Yeah. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. Adam.